Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D. from Coffee with Carrie. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, and our podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. This podcast is going to be a double whammy. While learning lessons from Gideon on how to be a mighty warrior in this crazy mixed up world we're living in right now, we'll also be learning how to use a simple morning devotions with your family using only God's word. That's right. You get a Bible study on Gideon as well as a how-to crash course on simple and easy family devotions. For those of you who know me or have been listening to my podcast, you know our family calls our family devotion time soul food time. My son Joe, when he was about two, he was your typical little boy. He was in constant motion. And every time we tried to do morning devotions, he squirmed and he ate everything in sight. The crayons, chalk, our pens, you name it, he tried to eat it. He constantly interrupted our reading. You name it. He did it during morning Bible time. One morning, I was running a little behind, and the kids and I hadn't had breakfast yet. So I buckled Joe up in his little chair by the table, and he and Francesca started to eat their breakfast. Since I knew we had to leave soon for an appointment, I decided to just go ahead and do our family devotions while they ate their breakfast, instead of waiting till we started our lessons. As I started to do our morning devotions, I noticed Joe's hands were busy and his mouth was full. I had his undivided attention. Do you know that was our best devotion time ever? So from that day forward, our morning devotions were done during breakfast time. And I started calling our Bible time soul food because I was feeding their hearts, minds, and tummies all at the same time. When doing morning devotions or Bible study with your family, remember that less is more and simple is always better. Our family never really used expensive or complicated or boxed Bible curriculums. We found the best, easiest, and cheapest Bible study out there was to use the three-question method. No fancy curriculum is required and no extra books are needed. All you need is a Bible, and actually anyone will do. I wanted to share with you today what we did during our morning devotional time and how we used this three-question method to study God's Word. Basically, we would read a passage from the Bible together, we would discuss three simple questions, and then we'd end in prayer. When my kids were little, I used a children's illustrated Bible of some kind. The DK Family Illustrated Bible was my favorite, but we also love the Child Story Bible by Catherine Voss. You can also just read straight from God's Word. But for my little guy, he liked all the little pictures along the sides of each passage in the DK Illustrated Bible. And my daughter really loved all the extra history information on the margins. So, when reading God's Word, we not only want to read for information, but for transformation. We want God's Word to get into our heads, but we also want it to penetrate our hearts and to ultimately end up in our hands so that we're doing something about what we learned. Because we want to know God's Word, we want to learn from God's Word, and we want to apply God's Word, The three simple questions we would always use were, one, what's the story about? Two, what can we learn from it? And three, 
How can we apply it in our lives? Simple, right? Today, I thought we would dig deep into the story of Gideon and in the process, learn how to use this three-question method. So, what can we learn from Gideon and Judges chapter 6 through 7? Oh, we can learn and apply so, so much. So first, with your kiddos, just read the story of Gideon in your children's Bible or read Judges chapter 6 through 7. If you want, you can go ahead and pause the podcast right now to read those passages. Or if you're pretty familiar with the story, you can just jump right in. Now, after reading the passage, ask the first question. What is this passage about? What we're trying to do here is get the information into their heads. So you're basically looking for the five W's. Who's in the story? When did it take place? Where did it take place? What was happening and why? So talk with your family. All right, so who's in the story? Well, there's Gideon, of course, and he's described in the passage, and he actually describes himself as a poor farmer. He was the youngest in his family, and his family was the weakest in the Israelite clan. So who else is in the story? We also see the Israelites and the Midianites are mentioned in the story. It says that the Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites. It says they came up on them like swarms of locusts. That's a lot of Midianites. And they invaded and ravaged their lands. And it also says that they were so impoverished that they cried out to the Lord for help. So is there anybody else in the story? Well, actually, we see that Gideon's father is mentioned too. And we also find out that Gideon's father has fallen into idolatry. It looks like Gideon is surrounded by family and friends who have fallen away from their faith, who have been deceived or distracted by the culture around them. Hmm, starting to sound a little familiar, isn't it? All right, so where is this taking place? Well, we can find out from the text that this is in Israel in the Promised Land, specifically in the town of Orphra, close to the area of Midian. This town is south of Nazareth by Shechem, and when the battle begins, they cross the Jordan to fight. All right, so when does this take place? Well, we can tell from the title of the book. It comes uh, during the time of the Judges. So if you're familiar with Judges, the Israelites went through this cycle. So first they would be free, and they would follow God's commands, and they would worship only God, and then they would start to disobey God's commands, and then they would fall into idolatry and become unfaithful to the Lord, and, and then after that they would go into some kind of captivity, or they would be oppressed by foreign neighbors, and it would get so bad that they would cry out for help for God, and God would come in to their rescue and save them. And then the cycle would begin. They would in their freedom, they would worship God, and then eventually they would start to disobey, so forth and so on. So we see in the very first verse that this is they're in this part of the cycle because it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it also says that the Lord gave them over to the Midians for seven years and that they cried out for the Lord's help. So we know that the Israelites and this story is taking place in one of these cycles. So what's happening in the story? Okay, so here you don't have to grill your kids. Just ask them to give you a summary of the story or to narrate it back to you. So basically, we have this young man, Gideon, who is 
the weakest in his clan, and he's actually hiding out, threshing at the threshing floor because he doesn't want to, the Midianites to see that he's pressing wine because they'll come in and take it. So we actually find them in the beginning of the story hiding out. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he says, the Lord is with you and you're going to save Israel. And Gideon's a little surprised and he kind of it's like, I don't know about that, and puts out his fleece a couple of times just to make sure he thinks he's hearing what God's telling him. And then God tells him to go and knock down all the idols that's in his town and build an altar and worship God. And then, oh, by the way, gather up an army because you're going to go and you're going to save Israel um, from this oppressive nation. So that's basically what the story is about. So then just make sure um, you also talk with your kids about the why. So why is this happening? Well, we find out in the very first verse, it's because the Israelites were disobeying God and they were worshiping other gods. And we also find out that they're oppressed and they're being bullied by a stronger neighbor. But we also find out that God wants to rescue his people. And he wants to show the Israelites and all the nations around them that God is a mighty savior and warrior. So now that we know what the passage is about, you know, who's in it, Where's it taking place? When's it happening? What's going on and why? Now let's look at the second question. What do we learn from this passage? Now this is where it goes from our head and we try and get it into our hearts. So what do we learn from the passage? Are there any promises? Why, yes, there is. The angel of the Lord said to Gideon, God is with you. And he even calls Gideon a mighty warrior. God also promised in this passage that he would be with Gideon and that all the Midianites would be struck down. And he also promised Gideon that he would have victory. So what do we learn from this? Moms, these are awesome and powerful promises. These are promises our kids can hold on to when they're scared or worried or challenged. These are promises we can hold on to when we try to keep our kids safe, as we try to teach them at home, and as we try to navigate this crazy time we're living in right now. God promises us that he is with us. He promised to be with us, and he promises us victory. There's so much out there right now to be afraid of. This is such a confusing and scary time for our kids and for us. We're getting conflicting messages from all different sides. It's hard to discern what to believe, what's true, what's false, and what's just still not known yet. But like Gideon, we can hold on to God's promises. God is with us. And Gideon certainly was not a prideful person. He felt small and unworthy. He was only one person. He was young, he was weak, he was scared, and he came from a very weak and poor family too. You would think he's the last person to stand up to a mighty army who opposed everything about God and his truth, that that person would be a man like Gideon. Don't you think that's how our kids feel sometimes? They're just one little person? Or that's how our teens feel? That they're just one person? Can they really do or say anything that makes a difference? Well, our kids are little Gideons. And you and I, we're Gideons. We see how the world is embracing evil. It's doing what is right in their own eyes. They're calling good evil and evil good. And they're calling truth lies and lies truth. The world's values and beliefs are turned upside down. Are we not living in a time much like Gideon's? 
Are we not simple people just hiding out in our little threshing floor, just trying to do our jobs while trying to stay out of sight of the mighty oppressive Midianites that are out there? But like Gideon, God doesn't see us for who we are right now. He doesn't see our kids for who they are right now. God sees us for who God has created us to be. God called Gideon a mighty warrior. Huh, Gideon was a simple farmer hiding out in his barn. Well, at least that's how Gideon saw himself. But God saw him for what God created Gideon to be, a mighty warrior. When God called you to this homeschooling task, he didn't see you as a simple, weak, or feeble mother. He saw you as a faithful child of God who loves the Lord and loves her children. As God calls us to stand up to the evil and foolishness of this world right now, he doesn't see us or our children as little weaklings. He sees us as mighty warriors who, in the strength of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, can stand up to the mightiest of adversaries or the biggest of lies. Girl, you know I could go on and on with this, but I think you get the picture. If those promises are good enough for little old Gideon, then they're good enough for you, they're good enough for our kids, and they're good enough for this generation. We can stand on those promises that God is with us. So is there anything else we can learn from the passage? Are there any commands in this passage? Yeah, there's actually a few. First and foremost, God commands Gideon to have peace and to not be afraid. How many times do we need God to reassure us? The Lord is with us, therefore we do not need to be afraid. But he also commands Gideon to knock down the idols of his father and all the idols in his town. He says, tear down your father's altar. Get rid of all the idols and poles. And then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord and worship me. Is God not giving us this same command today? Is he not telling us to tear down the idols that people are bowing down to? But we aren't just to tear them down. We're to replace them with God's truth. It's a dangerous thing to leave a vacuum and empty space. We can't just remove false teachers, false doctrine, and false beliefs without sharing the truth and putting the gospel in its place. A vacuum of space will always be filled with something. As children of God, we need to make sure God's truth replaces the idols and indoctrination that's happening around us. Our nation was built on God-fearing men and women. It was built on Judeo-Christian beliefs and principles. Even George Washington once said it's impossible to rightly govern without God and the Bible. When God was taken out of our public squares, our schools, and the halls of Congress, the vacuum was quickly filled with ideology diametrically opposed to God. We have been reaping the consequences of not filling that void sooner with the Word of God and the truths of the Bible. But not only does God command Gideon to tear down the idols and to worship the one true God, but God commands Gideon to save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Hello, now that's a tall order. We already established the Israelites were outnumbered. The Midianites were like swarms of locusts, remember? We already know the oppression was so bad that the Israelites finally called out to the Lord for help. And we already know the angel of the Lord found Gideon hiding. Yet this is a time and place and person God has chosen to lead a righteous revolt. God commands Gideon, 
with the Lord with you, you will bring down the Midianites, the armies that are with them, and he will save his people. All right, ladies, I think you see where I'm going, right? I'm only reading God's word and asking a few simple questions. I just let God's word go from the pages to our hearts and minds. If we're reading this with our children, what can they learn from this command to save Israel from the Midianites? Well, there may not be an army outside your door that God's asking them to defeat, but I'm sure there are some injustices in their own lives they see or they're experiencing. What is God calling you and me and our children to save our families from, our nation from, and our world from? God calls us to not be afraid and to fight the lies and evil around us. What is God commanding you to save? Perhaps you're called home to homeschool just for that reason. Perhaps your Israel that needs saving is your family, or your Israel is the hearts and minds of your children. Perhaps you were called to save your little ones from the hands of the Midianites and their false doctrine and false ideologies. Put on your armor of God, ladies, and let's get ready. God is calling us to battle. Like Gideon, we are up against some powerful political machines, some powerful unions and educational systems, and some powerful agendas. But mostly, we're up against the powers and principals not of this world. It's definitely a spiritual battle. God also gives Gideon one of the weirdest commands in the Bible. He instructs Gideon to gather his army, but then tells him, eh, 3,000 men, that's too many. So he needs to dwindle that number down. So first, God commands him to just let the men know, hey, if you don't feel up for this, now's your chance to go home, and many do leave. But then God tells Gideon, "Ah, I think you still have too many soldiers. So he commands Gideon to watch how they drink water from the stream. Based on how they cup their hands, Gideon now has an army of only 300 men. But God tells him why he only needs 300. It's so God will get the glory, not Gideon and not the Israelites. God was going to save Israel. And he wanted Israel to know he was their God and that he was their Savior. And that he was worthy of their praise and worship. So what do we learn from these odd commands about how to gather an army? What can our children learn from this part of the passage? Well, my son in his youth said he learned not to lap up water like a dog because God might call him to serve in the army. And I must say his drinking habits were a little cleaner cleaner for a few weeks after that. But other than that, what can our children learn from what seems like a very odd command? Well, we learn for one thing that God is particular about how things need to be done. God's ways are not our ways, but they're always better. And we also learn, like Gideon, when we listen, trust, and obey God's plans, we can be used in a mighty way. Our kids can also learn that when God is on our side, or more accurately, when we are on God's side, whatever we bring to the table, it's good enough. God can do mighty things with 3,000 people, or 300 people, or just with one person. Moms, we need to obey this command today, too. We need to gather like-minded moms and believers who love the Lord and who want to make a difference. 
We need to find those like-minded moms who also feel like they've been called for a higher purpose and that they are raising a very important generation. We learn we don't need many. We just need those who are willing to trust and obey God. All right, so what else can we learn from this passage or the story of Gideon? Are there any warnings in the story? Well, you bet. God's very clear we're to serve only him. He warns of what can happen when a nation goes its own way and does what is right in their own eyes. We see what happens when a nation removes God and truth from their borders. Are there any examples to follow or not to follow in this passage? Again, yes. Gideon's a great example of how one person who's willing to be used by God can do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. His story also shows us that even mighty men and women of the Bible have some doubts about their calling. I don't think I would have tested God with fleece, but I know I have thrown out some pretty silly requests in the past. I know I have asked God some pretty crazy things when I wanted him to show me his will for my life or for my children. Is there a main lesson or truth we can learn from this passage? Or why do you think God wanted to include this story in the Bible? Or do we see any attributes of God in the story? Did you learn anything new from the story? Or are there some things that still confuse you? Depending on the age of your kids and how relevant the story is to their present situations, you could spend all morning discussing these questions. Then, the last question that you want to ask is the most important one. How can we apply what we learn to our lives today? Now we want to move this passage from our head and heart and into our hands and put it into action. This is where we need to be very specific with our kids. So after you read the passage and you talk about it, then talk about your child's day and what's going on. What's he going to be doing? Is he going to be going anywhere? Is he going to be seeing anyone? Is there a problem he's been having lately that the story of Gideon maybe can help him with? Is God calling him to do something specific? After figuring out with your child how he might apply the lessons learned in his day, then pray specifically for your child by name. Let's just say maybe your son's having an issue with a bully, his own version of a Midianite. Maybe he hasn't been wanting to go to a certain class or a certain place because that kid's there and he's afraid of him. So you can pray for your child right then and there and relate the story of Gideon and his circumstances in your prayer. For instance, Father God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the example of Gideon. And I know Joe sometimes feels like Gideon, small and alone, but help him to remember that you are with him and that he doesn't need to be afraid. Help him at practice today to remember your promises when he begins to feel scared. Help him to feel like a mighty warrior that God has created him to be. And Father God, we also ask that you give Joe a small army of friends who can come alongside him like Gideon had. So when he's faced with fear or he's outnumbered, he has friends who will help him or who will remind him that he's not alone and that he is a pretty cool dude. And mamas, don't forget to pray for yourself in front of your kids. What are you dealing with? What issues are you having at work or with a family member? What huge battle is before you? Is there something God's calling you to do, but you need a little more faith or discernment to know if it's really God's will for you? What's your Midian? What is like a swarm of locusts that is either attacking you or your family or your community? 
Have you asked God to bring you a small group of moms who can stand in the gap with you? Based on what we shared here in Judges 6 and 7 and the story of Gideon, what is God trying to teach you? What's he calling you to do? What part of this lesson does God want you to put into action today? What's your fleece, ladies? What's your battle cry? What's your posture when accepting the call? I told you this would be a double whammy. I hope you now see how easy it is to read any passage of the Bible and find little nuggets of truth in it just by asking these three simple questions. What is the passage about? What can I learn from the passage? And how can I apply it? But mostly, I pray that while we were learning how to use the three-question method approach, you were stirred by God's word to be a Gideon. Mamas, we are mighty warriors. God is with us, Therefore, we do not need to be afraid. God is calling each of us to do a mighty work, not because we're worthy, but because we're willing. Give your doubts and fears to the Lord. Cast out your fleece. Get the confirmation you need and then hit the ground running, ladies. Today's world needs more Gideons. We need to raise up a generation of Gideons. And we need to be a Gideon. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. If you want more information about doing Bible time with your family, check out our podcast, Homeschooling Essential Number 1. If you heard something you like, then share our podcast and our Instagram or website with a friend who might need a little encouragement today or share this with a friend who might be feeling fearful or overwhelmed. We can learn so much from the story of Gideon. Thanks for sharing. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.